0: The left corner to Aguila. Aguila
1: left circle. Happy BL. The shot. Save. Made by Aguila. 3 Another shot. They
0: score! The Flames win it! Yeah! Baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames Talk starts now on Sportsnet 960. The fan.
1: Here's Pat Steinberg. Hey, what's going on? It's Pat Steinberg along with you. A little special summer check-in edition of Flames Talk. And on May 1st, the Calgary Flames announced that they had fired Daryl Sutter as head coach. It was something that a lot of people were expecting, or at the very least had been buzzed about, but we didn't know what was going to happen and we didn't know if the team was going to make the move. Well, it took them about six weeks for the Flames to find Daryl's replacement and they didn't have to go far at all because assistant coach Ryan Huska became the 24th coach in Flames history. And over the last month or so, Ryan's joined us here on Sportsnet 960 on our different family of podcasts uh, a number of times to discuss about how he found out about the job how he interviewed for the job and how he wants to turn this team back into a contender starting as early as next season. So, over the next uh, hour here on Flames Talk, we're just going to take you back to the whirlwind that was. Ryan becoming the 24th head coach of the Calgary Flames, and a whole lot more. Uh, I talked to Ryan right after the introductory news conference. He joined me live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And here's what he had to say when he joined us about working his way up the organization and now taking that step to head coach and how he has not taken each step for granted.
0: I did know all the way along that I was going to have to make steps and I was going to have to go through the different levels in order to give myself an opportunity to be a head coach. Um, And as I mentioned in that press conference, not many people get the opportunity to move up through an organization the way I have. Most times you're leaving to take another, like an assistant coach or an associate coach or a head coach. Um, So I feel fortunate that I've had all these experiences that I have had here. Um, And I think that's kind of, you know, what's made me who I am I guess today you you take a lot from everybody that you've been around and you you make yourself a better coach and I'm I'm really thankful for that
1: so what makes you ready what what makes you fully ready to take on the challenge of being an NHL head coach
0: you know there's there's two things with that um the first one is my knowledge of the players i i think that's that's a really important thing and and some people will look at it as well that might be a negative thing because he's been around the room and Um, it might not be something you want a fresh voice in there or whatever the case may be, but I look at it the opposite way. Uh, it's a positive thing where I have a a relationship with these guys already. So there isn't that phase where you got to figure each other out. Um, you know, and then I keep going back to the experiences that I've had and, and people always say, well, it's going from an assistant to a head coach within the same team is not an easy thing to do. Um but I don't buy that you know I really don't because I feel like that's part of the process that I had to go through Um, now I have an understanding of the demands that are on players that are on the staff Um, I understand the travel I understand that everything that comes along with being in the NHL and I would say that you know when you're younger and it's the same from when I went from junior to the American League you're like Yeah, this is going to be easy no problem and you find out pretty, pretty quickly that it's hard Um, and Brad Brad Treleving told me one time early on, like, if you go up there and you're not ready for it, they will chew you up and spit you out. And I, in my head, I'm like, come on, I'm ready for this. And then you realize pretty quickly, no, I'm not. So maybe my long-winded answer for you is, um, I realize now there is no hesitation. Um, I am confident that I can do this job now, and I'm I'm extremely excited about this opportunity. That's one of the reasons why I feel totally comfortable with being ready for this job so there are things in our um, that we will change within our our room Um, we're going to create an environment that's going to be one where the players are going to have every opportunity in the world to grow and succeed Um, there's certain parts of our game that we have to change as i mentioned before there's a lot of parts to our game that were were really good analytically in a lot of the categories we were we were way up there but there are some that we have to address and we have to get better at. And, um, you know, we, we always go back to the overtime shootout games or the one goal games. I think a lot of that gets rectified by um, doing a, a job in our dressing room, making sure the guys are really connected. Um, and that, I think, snowballs into all of the other issues yeah. that we're going to work on correcting. So for me, that's the most important thing, is the environment that we're going to create is going to push these guys to be their very best every day. Um, I I mentioned before, too, it's not like it's um, you're going to be going to Callaway Park in there or anything like that. This is about making sure that the guys want to be here, but it's in an environment where they have a mindset that we have a job to do, and that's to get better today. So every practice is going to matter. Every video session is going to matter. How we go about doing that will be a little bit different, Um, but they're... They're professional athletes that are expected to play at the highest level all the time. And our job as a staff is going to be to provide that environment for them.
1: So that was Ryan Husko with me right after being named 24th head coach of the Calgary Flames. And then on June 16th, he sat down for a full hour on the morning show, the big show, with George Rusick and Matty Rose and uh, went through the whole process. Started with the call from general manager Craig Conroy that changed everything
0: for him. Well, at first he texted me the night before, said, can you meet me? And I said, yes, I can. And then my wife and I were like, well, it either means one of two things. You're getting it or you're not. (laughs) Right. but then <laughs> Did a jumping st- drop when <laughs> you oh, saw yeah. that text for sure. Okay. And then, uh, in the morning I got up, I was having a coffee. I didn't really sleep well that night cause you don't know what's happening. Um, so I was having a coffee. My wife was already gone. And then I got a text from Connie. Can you meet me an hour earlier? And I'm like, oh I, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the drive down, you do think a lot like, how is this going to turn out or what's this going to look like? Um, I'm either going to be really happy or I'm going to have to try to figure something out pretty quick as to what's going on, but. Uh, it was a nice, and Connie didn't hold on very long. As soon as I sat down, he yeah. he let me know. So that's right. thankfully, and then we were able to have a com- conversation about it. But the one thing I do remember, looking back at it already. Um, Don and Connie were talking to me about a few things and I actually started kind of laughing and they looked at me like, what are you laughing at? And I said, I don't have a clue what you just said. I'm just yeah. really excited yeah. about what's going You're on. You're just like yeah. little feral yeah. nose school. Yeah. You just well, blanked out. You that's what know happened. What they just said. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know Connie like I do. Yeah. He, uh, he likes to speak and he's got the gift of gab and, <laughs> um, that's, I think one of his greatest strengths is he's got the ability to communicate and talk with everybody and anybody and he loves people, um, loves what he does. Uh, and I think that's one of his greatest strengths. I had two lengthy face-to-face meetings with the guys, so all of the management team, and then uh, the last one that was in there, John Bean was in there as well, mm-hmm. so um, I wanted to try to separate myself from the other guys because I know there's there's a lot of great coaches, and, and when you looked at the people who were out there, the experienced guys that were there are their records, I mean, what are you going to say about some of them? They've had the opportunity to coach a long time in the league, and they've had a lot of success, so you're thinking, okay, these guys, um have something I don't have. And then you're looking at some of the other names that are potentially in there and you're like, all right, so these guys are kind of the up and coming guys. So how do I separate myself? So I put a lot of time and, and work into it. And, um, thankfully I had a lot of time to do that too, right? Cause the, the process was a little bit longer. So I made sure that, um, my presentation was to the point, I think I had a lot of good detail that they were looking for in there. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I had a good handle on, on, what I wanted to portray to them, so I, it worked out well. Yeah, I, hey, there's gonna be maybe early an exhibition, but the beauty part for me is you when you get to run the back end, uh, you get to you get to play the game as well as it's moving on. So you're putting people out on the ice in certain situations. So it's very similar to running the bench. Okay. So instead of running the defenseman, it would be the forwards and overseeing. Um, and then trusting the people that you have on the bench with you to do their jobs to the best of their ability as well. But I don't, I don't look at it as a, a, a massive change okay. at all because of, of the situation that I was in before. But it's funny, I, the 0-1 01 and 1 record uh, during that time. It kind of makes me laugh, and I wonder. Was I a prior head coach now before being the 24th? Does that count in there? In the- <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I just go, I went
1: on the press release. I, I counted on, on the crack PR staff, the best yeah. in business, to, to have vetted that. So I'm going to go with twenty-four. And can
0: we wipe that 0-1-1 record off the <laughs> slate if it's not in there?
1: <laughs> it's a little special summer check-in version of Flames Talk. We're looking back at the first six weeks. Of Ryan Huska's tenure as the twenty fourth head coach of the Calgary Flames, he talked about his initial thoughts and how he wants to run the Flames, and how important communication is going to be to him, and how he's going to talk and relate to his players. And also
0: discussed choosing a team captain for the coming season. I've talked to all the players, but I haven't talked to them um, about specific coaches or styles that they want. I mean, I you didn't I, send them a list. No, no, no I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep that one private. Um, I, I have an idea of, of the direction that we want to go and, and people that could help, um, push some of our players along. So, um, for me, I, I have a a real good idea of how I want this team to play. And now it's a matter of finding guys that are going to fit that mold. Yeah, I, I think for us as a group, when I think of Flames hockey, I think of a very hardworking game. Um, I, I expect our forwards to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Like those guys are going to have to work this year. So I've, I've tried to impress upon them in my phone calls that. You guys need to be ready to skate. So, they're going to play a real big part of our system and how we want to play. Um, and I think it comes down to finding a way to get the puck as quick as we can and then working with them to think faster so they can understand that there's a, a change of possession. I'm going to take off already. So, I want them to make it difficult on opposing defenseman where the pressure is always coming on them um, and we're always thinking about attacking. And that's important for me. But You can never lose sight of the fact that if you can't play without the puck and you don't have the um, foundation or the fundamentals, you're not going to win a lot of games. And at the end of the year, we're going to be graded based on the win-loss column. That's what it is. During the season, we're going to work day-to-day. That's what we're going to do, and we're going to stay in the moment. But in order to make um, your goals a reality, you have to make sure that you're really good in all areas, and you have to make sure that you take a lot of pride in keeping pucks out of your net. Yes, we have a great goaltender, goaltenders, Um, but we have to make their job such that they're not facing so many quality chances against. So, um, that's making sure that our whole group is taking pride in how we play away from the puck. But once we get it, um, we're going to want them to go and go really quickly. Yeah. I do a lot of talking and it's not, I don't want to say, I don't talk like Craig.
1: (laughs) no one one does he's
0: got a talent that's for sure um but for me it's about you know you have to build that relationship with him and you have to create trust with with the guys that you work with That's staff that's players that's that's everybody that you're around um that's really open and honest communication and sometimes that's firm sometimes it's hard sometimes it's just talking like we are here um but from there the big thing is about expectations like once you have a good foundation with a player or with uh, one of your staff members, if they understand what the expectations are and they understand where you're coming from, then they're okay with you holding them accountable. But that's also my responsibility to make sure that I put them in situations where they can succeed. So when they are doing uh, the things that we're asking them to do, you, you put them in areas where they're going to be successful. That's part of it. Um, tons of feedback. That's important for me. Uh, the leadership type meetings. There's all sorts of different ways that I will look to connect with players um, as an individual and in group settings. So it's something that I'm pretty passionate about. I believe a lot in it, and I think the only way to get to where you want to go is through collaboration. And that includes with the players. Um, I think with the penalty kill, I'm proud that they, they took pride in it. I have a lot of pride in it. Um, I wanted it to be as, as good as it possibly could be, and, and we set standards together. Um, and I felt like as it went along, they were very proud of it, and if it wasn't going the way they wanted it to go, you could see that they were upset, and they were working with each other to try to figure it out, and I love that. That, to me, is is the most important thing, and I felt like our penalty kill had an impact in games, and that's what I want to see from, from these guys as a whole, that they have that um, passion for what we're trying to do. They bring the energy every day, and, and they do whatever they have to do to have success. With the guys on the back end, uh, I feel like we, we took some younger guys at the time, and I will say Noah and Rasmus and Oliver, those guys are all younger um, when we first started with them. And now they're they're all top four defensemen, and they're guys that are capable, capable of playing big minutes and in all situations. Um, and we've put a lot of time in video-wise. They've committed to it. They've made themselves better players, so it's nice to see how they've progressed as a group of guys. And then when you factor in some of the older players, the, the ability to get someone like Chris Tanev, uh, on board quickly is something that I'm proud of too. Like he's a team guy through and through, um, but being able to connect with him and, and earn his trust sooner than later is important for me. Yeah. And, and those, are, those are things that really matter uh, when you're trying to build a team. So I, I really, I'm proud of the guys in the back end. I love the work they've done. Um, and we're going to continue to push them to, to find another level. For me, there's a couple different things. A captain is a guy that is, he's with everybody. Um, you know, and it's even, I talk to my kids about it all the time. Like it shouldn't matter based on who you are or your standings, whether you're hanging out with someone, is he cool enough? Like that's not, that's not the way it works. So to me, a captain is, is for everybody. So guys are comfortable going to him. Guys are comfortable hanging out with him. That's important. Um, the second thing is he's an everyday guy. Um, There has to be consistency with him, how he approaches the game. Um, There has to be consistency with how he handles himself off the ice. Um, And the last thing is he needs to have the courage to make sure that he's standing up for things that matter in our dressing room. And he needs to have the courage to be able to work with us. So, you know, a lot of guys have some of those traits, um, maybe two of them, maybe one of them. Um, The ones that have all the things that you're looking for, they're hard to find. Um, and sometimes you have to work at developing those guys along the way. And when you see something that is out of characteristic of someone that should be a captain, you got to call them on it. Like this isn't what we're looking for. If you see some bad body language from a guy, that's not what we're looking for. Um, and I think when you look at our team, there's, there's a number of people that I'm pretty excited about that will have an opportunity, um, to be in the conversation when, when Connie and I and the rest of the coaches and management talk about who we want to wear that letter. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be in that conversation, but it's not an easy job and you have to be able to stand in front of the crowd a lot of times. And you know, to your peers, that's, that's tough for some guys, but uh, a true captain is one that doesn't bother him. He's going to do that when he has to do that. Some guys have a natural leading ability. Um, it's just them. They, they ooze it, you know, it, it just comes off of them. But other times when you're a young player and you have an opportunity to be around someone that is a captain that's maybe been through it, um, those younger guys learn from the people that are above them and that's why it's so important to have that year after year um culture or environment that hey this is what we do around here um this guy set the standard and it, like if I'm a Jacob Pelche or a Coronado or any of those young guys that we talk about a lot they watch and they pay attention so 5 6 years down the road while well, maybe they've learned enough um to add to their natural abilities in that area to become the next guy so that's me, that's what I look at. Some guys have it, some guys learn a little bit of it, but if you have someone ahead of you that does it the right way all the time, it's, it's infectious and contagious. And that's really what you want to see in your dressing room.
1: Is it really a different animal to be a captain in the Canadian yeah, market?
0: It is. They're the guys that have to answer the questions all the time. I mean, when you just speak of the media, um, I mean, you can send, you know, whoever you want to, you can send a, a goaltender that's not playing out in the media. You can send a a fifth or sixth defenseman or third line forward, whatever you want to call it. Um, But when there's a situation going on and there's some hard answers or hard questions that need to be answered, it's always that guy, always. And it goes back to the courage for me. Like you you have to be able to be comfortable standing in front of a crowd. And sometimes what you say or or how you handle yourself maybe isn't what his teammates want to hear. And you have to be okay with that. But the Canadian market for sure is different. But I also find that Um, this market to me would be like an original six. Um, It is so cool and and such a privilege to be playing in Canada. And I think these guys do embrace it, Um, but it takes a special person to be able to be the guy that stands in front of them all the time. For me, you always have your guys that are going to wear a letter. So there's your, there's your leadership group, but I'm also a believer in, and you have other groups. So whether it's an over 30 group at times, you're going to bring those guys in because they say things a lot different than other people on your team. So, um, Maybe if you want to call it your veteran group, over 30 group, whatever, or an under 25 group, like there's different ways where you can get to your team and help bring them along. Um, cause those younger guys aren't going to say boo in front of the other guys for the most part, but once they understand that this is kind of your environment, let's go. Like, what do you have for me? What are we, what do we need? What do you, what do you see? Um, then they'll give you a little bit. And I think along the way that helps them grow too, because they feel like, yeah, okay, we're, we matter here. And then all of a sudden you, you, you put them in a position where now they're accountable for some of the things that they said as well. So there's all sorts of different ways where you can build your leadership group, but I think the key guys are the ones that wear a letter. Um, you know, our goaltender is, he's going to be in that group, even though he's not Mm -hmm. uh, a guy that wears a letter. And those are the guys that you really lean on, but I think you do it different ways in regards to getting other people involved. And Ryan also
1: shared his thoughts on reuniting with former Kelowna Rockets teammate and, of course, Calgary Flames legend. Back with the organization now, that, of course, would be Jerome Gimma.
0: Jerome is the face of this franchise still. I mean, everything that he's done uh, as a player for this city and for the team, um, I, I I look at him a lot when he retired and when he comes back to games, it makes me smile to see how people just love him. Um, And it goes back to the leadership that we talked about. Jerome is that guy. He's got all of those characteristics and he has time for everybody. And you don't find many people uh, as quality a person as him. And the one thing now that he has, he's got the experience as a player. um, He knows everything about the game. But the one thing that maybe people underestimate a little bit from him is his time coaching his kids where he has a book on all the top kids that are coming up. So, so that's something that's going to be valuable as they get closer to draft time when these kids get eligible. Uh, Jerome's going to be an unreal resource for this guy. I'm telling you, you got to keep watching this player. So, so many great things about him. And I, I just think he's one of the best people around and you always want to have good people in your organization. And when you have the face of the franchise that is that, it's pretty cool that he's back. There, There's, there's times where I'll be like, okay, what, what just happened out there? And I have my ideas as to what's going on. And then you have a conversation with him And he'll see it totally different. Um, And I think we were talking off the air a little bit about the competitive nature and all those top players, what they have, they are ridiculously competitive and that's what makes them who they are. So if there's a way that they can improve or there's a way that they can do something different to get the most out of themselves Mm -hmm. or the people they're working with, he's doing that. And one of the reasons why he's a, a hall of famer and his 12 is hanging in the rafters here is because of the competitive side that he has. So I think there's just a little old school, um, to Jerome where he really recognized and had the, maybe I should say had the ability to change a game in a lot of different ways. So he, he understood when it was time to score a goal, we need two goals. I'm going to go score two goals. Jerome understood when it was time to, all right, it's time for me to run a guy over here because I have to change the energy of the game. And he also knew it's time for me to drop the gloves and, and go at it with somebody. And you don't see that type of player as much anymore. Um, so maybe, yes, it's becoming rare where you do see that type of guy. I mean, you look at today's game, how many of those players are out there nowadays that have the ability to score 50, um, impact the game by being physical and bringing people into the fight. And actually when the time's called for it, could be one of the tougher guys in the game. You don't really see it anymore because the game has changed so much. So yes, you're, you're probably correct when you're saying it's, it's getting a little bit more rare. Do you remember the first time that you saw Jerome McGinley fight? Um, oh boy, that would have been in junior for me. I mean, he would have been 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't specifically know, um, the first time, but I, uh, you know, I don't want to say the eyeballs go back, but <laughs> he's, he's fiery. Yeah. Like, hmm. He gets mad. And when he gets mad, look out. And, and that's something that, um, even at a young age in junior, you could see from him. Um, so as a 16 year old, they don't often play or, or play every game, but. He found a way to play most of them because he would you're not taking me out of the lineup he had that type of mentality and as a 17 year old I, I think he understood with where he was at so he knew how good he was at that point um if he could you know show other people that I can do this too I'm going to do it so he would have for sure Jerome wasn't afraid of it junior at all he was involved in it a lot at his young age he's always going to be around the game he he will um and this is such a good thing for us to be able to have him in there because we've talked about what he brings to the table and I think when it comes to bringing his ideas into play, he's not going to be a guy that's going to not bring something forward. Um, He's comfortable and confident in what he thinks should go on, whether that's something within the organization, a certain player, how to handle that player, he's got it. Um, So I think he's going to fit unbelievably well. And really, whatever Craig needs, if he's going to lean on him, Jerome's there for him. And I think that's one of the cooler things as he works his way And who knows where Jerome's going to end up. I mean, he's going to work his way through the organization with really whatever he wants to do, because he's got the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. But he's a huge ad for the guys up front. Uh, Give us a story when you shook your head about Jerome the competitiveness. There's two for me that I I stand out. And I was lucky enough to play with some amazing guys in junior. Like um, Jerome and Shane Doan were beauties and they were the same draft year. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that came into play as well. So there's a little bit of competition there because they were both elite high-end guys. And we talked about the way Jerome was. Well, Shane's very much the same way. So it would be from practice Well, I could shoot it harder than you. No, you can't. And they would spend hours shooting puck. Or I'll hit the crossbar before you know you can't. Or they would wrestle. Like no guys would wrestle. But there was one time I remember we were loading the bus for a road trip. And somebody challenged. I don't know who challenged the other guy. But I can carry more bags to the bus than you. And I swear to God, we had 17 bags on them. And they were like just... <laughs> shuffling down the hall and <laughs> oh, and saying, I can put one more on, like throw another one on and they could barely move. But I had, uh, from when I got married many years ago, Jerome was young, um, at the time. And Jason Strudwick, a, a good friend of ours from up north, just to show you how competitive Jerome is and they're good friends. So they just go at each other all the time about different things. Like I'm stronger than you, or I'm faster than you. And they started chirping about who's faster but we were having dinner at Earl's in Kelowna, which overlooks the park and the lake. And then all of a sudden, the two of them get up and leave and they go down to the park and they sprint. So they're having a race, a fight race, at my stag. And so all the guys are watching these two, two goofballs running through the park to see who is faster. But that's what he's all about. He's like, you're not going to tell me that you can beat me at anything. And that's what makes him such a special person.
1: We're checking in on Ryan Huska's first month as head coach of the Calgary Flames here on a little special check-in of Flames Talk. Steinberg along with you, and one of the first moves Ryan made was choosing his coaching staff and uh, filled out the rest of the guys that are going to join him on the bench and on this staff. On June 24th, Flames announced they had hired Mark Savard and Dan Lambert. They joined the team as assistant coaches. And also announced the return of Cale McLean as assistant coach, uh, the return of Jason LaBarbera as goaltending coach, and Jamie Pringle as video coach. And uh, Ryan joined us to talk about why and how he chose his new coaching team.
0: Honestly, you feel like you go through a long process again um, to try to find the best people that fit with your organization. And part of that was people um, that I felt um, comfortable with as well, me personally. And then you wanted to try to add some guys that you thought would maybe have a, a certain amount of impact with the current players that we have on our roster. So when we were putting our list together, um, we were looking for certain things. So um, we wanted to try to find some, some coaches that have had some experience. We wanted to try to find someone that had you know, a lot of NHL experience, I could put it that way, um, either as a player like Mark has had or um, coaching ability. And, and we found Dan kind of fit the category with the NHL coaching experience. And Mark really has done it with the playing experience but has turned himself into a really up-and-coming good coach that um, really fits a role for our team that we thought was really important for us to fill.
1: I remember talking to you the day that you were introduced on that Monday, and and you sat down with us, and, and we asked you about the rest of your coaching staff, and one of the things I found really interesting when you were taking us through the process and how it was going to go or how you envisioned it was, you didn't necessarily have names in mind, but as you said right there, you kind of had roles and attributes that you were looking for and then would start to find the people to fit those attributes. How helpful was that approach during this process?
0: Well, I think having an idea as to what you want to do is always helpful. Uh, otherwise, you can get scrambly and a little bit all over the place. And what I did find during this process is um, there are a lot of good coaches out there, and it's almost humbling at times um, to get the text messages and calls for interest in, in working for you because you realize there's a lot of good people that are out of work or, or looking for jobs right now. So, one, it, it makes you feel fortunate that um, we have that opportunity to work. Especially in the NHL, um, you know, and then and then when you have an idea as to the direction that you want to go, it, it makes it easier for you to pare down your list. Um, and you have a lot of phone calls, a lot of conversations when guys fit into the, if you want to call them the holes or categories, whatever you want to use for your terminology. Um, it, then you can you can move people around, take them off the list if they don't quite fit what you're looking for. Uh, and then once you get down to a manageable number, you can spend a little time with these guys on the phone, on Zoom. Um, talking to people that know them, talking to people that have played for them, all sorts of different things when you when you start getting down to the guys that you're really interested in having around. But for me, I, I felt it was a really good process. Did you, you get a chance to talk to people that you know out. I didn't necessarily know at all, and Mark's a good example of that. For me, I didn't have any sort of prior uh, relationship with him whatsoever, um, but I knew he would be a guy that would be really strong in a certain role for our team. Um, you know, so it's again. I just, it's a real, it's a good feeling when you settle on the guys, and and I have a a lot of faith and trust in the guys that were back here from our group from years prior. Um, starting with Kale McLean, I think he's a rock star. I really do. And how he, and how he is detailed, how he's organized, how he's prepared, and how he sees the game. Um, so I really think he's a special coach, and he's an up and coming coach. And then we look at at Jason. You know, it's funny you always see a lot of the, the criticism about the goaltending this past year, but the year prior, we didn't hear that noise when um, Jacob was the Vezina finalist. So sometimes that's the way the game goes, but Jason has a real great demeanor with our goaltenders. Um, he's really starting to understand how to push them more in certain situations and get more out of them. And I really think this is going to be a great year for all of our, our goaltenders that he's with. And Jamie's been around for a long time. Like he's been, uh, Um, He's seen a lot of different head coaches over the years. I'm hopeful that this head coach that's currently in place is going to stay for a long period of time so he doesn't have to work with another one. That would be perfect for me. Um, But he's got a lot of experience in what he does as well, and he's seen a lot of different ways of doing things in regards to um, coaching styles and video presentations and putting packages together. So I'm thrilled with the group we have together here, Pat.
1: Ryan, do you uh have you figured out or have you kinda come to your conclusion in terms of the roles you want each guy to fill, who's gonna be on the bench, I in the sky, who's gonna be taking care of what? Has has that all been figured out at this point?
0: Yeah, it has. I mean, we're we're still going to do a lot of working together on this. I mean, that's something that's going to be important for us over the summer months to really come together and, and and give each other ideas as to what they think might help or what might work for our you know the certain special teams that we're going to have. But um, as of now, we're we're looking at Mark to be our power play guy. I think it just kind of fits with his ability and and the way he sees the game. He's also going to spend a lot of time with our with our forwards. So a lot of them. Um, so I think he's going to have a significant impact on, on players like Huberto. I think he's going to have an impact on Kadri. I think he's going to have impact on a uh, young guy like Pelche and, and Coronado. So he's going to be able to touch all sorts of different facets, I guess, that you can say of the group up front. And Dan on the back end, he's going to run the back end. He's going to run the defense. Um, and he's also going to be uh, in charge of the penalty kill. But the one thing, you know, with Dan and the penalty kill, It's kind of always been my baby. I love it, and I just feel like this is something with our prior relationship that we'll be able to work on a little bit together, Um, and we're also going to use kale along the way as well. But I think the one part that really intrigued me about putting this staff together, um, both the two new guys that we're bringing in have a bit of an offensive flair to them. So we know about Mark. Dan was a very offensive defenseman. So now you have um, two guys that see the game Differently from what myself and Kale see it a lot of times. Um, Mark has that offensive touch with a forwards perspective. Dan has it from the back end in regards to a defenseman's perspective. So I think the two of them together, um, I think they're going to help our offensive game. I think they're going to bring in some new things. I think they're going to kind of create a a little bit more creativity maybe in the offensive zone. And and I really do believe we're going to balance each other out, which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm super pumped with this group what I know of Dan, he's a very organized, very detailed guy. Um, and he's already been bugging me about penalty kill clips and, and watching things. And that's is like day one, basically. <laughs> so he he's keen on it. And I think for him too, um, you know, I think, and I'll go back to my experience when Bill Peters was, was here and I came up the first time, well, Bill was always a penalty kill coach before he started his, his path down the head coaching, um, Uh, route. Um, So I found it uh, a little bit of a challenge because I didn't really know Bill all that well to start with and he's had all the experience with penalty kills on good teams in Detroit. Uh, He was kind of the guy there that that built that kill and he kind of created the way Carolina killed. So I I learned a lot from him and I'm hopeful that the relationship that Dan and I have together, it's going to be the same. I'm going to give him my thoughts and ideas and then he's going to run with it. You know, I think when you... I mean, and, and Pat, you'd be the same way. When people probably look at you and see the hours that you put into your job and how often you are sitting behind the microphone there, um, people would say there aren't many guys that work harder than Pat and uh, do a better job than what he does. And um, me, from someone that gets a chance to listen to you and, and talk with you from time to time, that's what I believe. Now, for me, when it comes to Cale, um, that's exactly what you see. He's typically the first guy in, and he's most definitely the last guy to leave. He watches a lot of hockey. He really digs into not just the, hey, this is a four check, this is what we're doing, but he tries to figure out trends uh, to where the game is going, um, different things that the better offensive players are doing, and how can we incorporate those into what we're doing. So he sees it differently than I do. Um, and because he's so organized and detailed, there's a huge amount of trust that I have in him. So whenever there needs to be something done, I'll never hesitate to ask him to do it because I know it will be done in the same manner that I would like it to be done, which is so important when you have an opportunity to work with someone like that. I think my first year when I came into the league, the penalty kill was ranked 19th. Um, so are not very good at all. or not good enough to be a, a consistent playoff team that we expect and we want to be. Um, but as the years went on, uh, you get better and better as to what you're teaching and how you're handling it. And the penalty kill, I think, has been, over the last five years, now combined, has been a top six in the NHL. So it, it's got itself to a different level. It's the same for goaltending. Now, Jason, with these guys, has built a relationship with them now that he understands um, what works with them, what doesn't work with them, how to motivate them, and how to get the best of them. So he's going to take those experiences that he's gained over the last couple of years, and he's going to use that to his advantage to push these guys harder. So it, it's, the one thing that is important for me is, is that I have to have a good relationship Uh, with the goalie coach um i think as a head coach you have to have a lot more conversations with your goalies not structurally jason would kill me if i said i'm going to talk to him about structure or (laughs) or the reverse vh but they have to understand where i'm coming from and what i'm looking for out of them so i think because we're going to have a little bit different connection um between head coach and goalie and goalie coach and head coach uh, i think it's it's going to be something that I think he's going to get the best out of all involved, including Jason, but his demeanor with them, he's always prepared much. Like I talked about kale. He's very, um, composed and patient and methodical with how he wants to approach them. So, um, he just he just has that calming presence about him, and I, I really like how he handles himself around. Him. It's
1: been about a month since Ryan Husker was named head coach of the Calgary Flames. He's joined Flames Talk a number of times. He's joined the Big Show a couple of times as well, and uh, talked with the boys on the Big Show about the NHL draft, his summer plans, and uh, Flames development camp, with which recently wrapped up as well.
0: Yeah, I'm. I find myself every day um, looking for more and more things to do. I just want to make sure that I'm set and we're all prepared with what our responsibilities are. So right now, it's it's getting ready for our coaches' meeting. So we've all got our tasks and um, we're getting ourselves organized for when we get together for really for the first time as an entire group. Um, so that's really what we're we're focused on. But absolutely, it's. When you get into this portion, I I feel like July still is at times a little bit slower, but once you get to August, it really takes off. So I'm almost waiting for the calendar to hit August because I know it's going to come a lot quicker once we get there. It's one thing that I try to do on a regular basis, and it's phone calls, it's text with guys, um, it's staying in touch with the other coaches that we we have now in place, um, and then it's getting... You're starting to get organized with the schedule and and our travel and potential days off for the players. That's one part of it that um, I I didn't forget about, but there's a lot that goes into it. When you're trying to plan a season, um, you don't just plan it a week in advance. You look at your whole calendar as to how your games fit, how your travel is, um, what you could potentially do with the players when you're on the road. That's the time of the year when you do a lot of your organizing and planning, and then you make adjustments as you get closer to it. So I've tried to make it so I'm getting into the office Uh, almost every day and i i spend my mornings there and i i get my work done that i have on my my day timer or scheduler for that day and then i get to enjoy the afternoon with my family i've been in regular contact with them and and you get to the point where you don't want to make it too much but i i always want them to know that if there's anything that they have for me that i want to make sure they realize that i'm i'm there for them to help with any decision that may have but um in regards to all that as to where if guys are on the fence like I, I'm not looking at it that way. Um, I'm looking at it as these are the guys that we have, and if anything happens to shake out along the way, then that's the business. Um, but I'm treating them as if they're all back, and I think that's the way our staff's going to approach this as well. Well, not just the development camp, but even the draft. I was at the draft, and you watch the, the players. My gosh, are they all big. The kids that are are being drafted now, I, I just find they're, they're so much bigger. And then when you get to watch some of them, skate and move in development camp that's another thing that kind of blows me away because it used to be if you were a bigger taller heavier set guy your skating was often awkward and was typically a knock on you that he's not a great skater but he's big and he can get to the net and he's strong and he's heavy now you don't notice that anymore it's rare when you see a guy that can't skate so it's just the way the young player has progressed um, their skill set their skating ability um, and when you factor in the size, man, this game is going to be a good game for many years to come. Anybody in particular, like, you know, we always want you to name guy like Sam Hanzek, you know, blow you away. He'll definitely make the team this year. Come on, give us some predictions. <laughs> I, I was impressed with him. I will say that. Um, like I, all the players that come there, they're good hockey players, but you do notice. I mean, there's a reason why he was taken where he was. He's a big guy that skates well. Um, he's got really good hands for him. And then when you watch him in some of the drills and development camps, not really much more than, um, you know, them getting a chance to to see our organization uh, work on a little bit of skill development on the ice. But w- when they were in situations where they had to puck protect, um, he does such a good job at that. It's something that I was very impressed with and something that I noticed right away. But you most, most definitely do like the size that he has. You do like his skating ability that comes along with it. And you really do project down the road, like, uh, where does this guy fit in, and who knows? That may be this year. I mean, you never know. Uh, we're going to give all these guys an opportunity to make some noise in camp, and if if they continue to impress and do a good job, they're going to earn more opportunity to stay around. So we'll see how it goes for someone like him and the rest of the guys. Because I don't know if I uh, guys like I consider Pelche and Walker Doer. I don't. I don't know if I would consider them like young guys on the list. My expectation is guys like that.
1: They're are, on the team.
0: Uh, they're not just going to push for jobs. I want them to be making people take notice that, yeah, I'm not just here to be an in and out guy. So I guess that's where I'm coming from with that. So um, I I think we do have some really good prospects in this organization. And that's one of the things as Connie mentioned earlier, um, these guys are going to be given an opportunity. So the onus now falls on them to make sure that this is the best summer that they've ever had in regards to their conditioning and workout programs. They have to come in in the best condition possible to make sure they leave a good impression. Um and really at the end of the day it's the mentality of I'm not just coming in to be a um a guy that might be a thirteenth forward or a seventh or eighth defenser. And that's not what it's about for me. I want them to come in and say, Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're no longer having a job on this team. That's what I'm looking for for Mm -hmm. these young guys. And we have a number of guys that are in that situation. Whether they can do it or not, that's going to be up to them, and we'll see how it goes.
1: Well, and finally, we'll wrap up this hour with uh, Ryan Huska. On a lighter note, the uh, boys on the morning show opened up the text line and uh, asked Ryan a few questions as well. Here are some of the the hockey-related questions and some of the not-so-hockey-related questions. Clay and Duchess. Does Coach Huska prefer classic sports car or newer style sports car? Oh,
0: also, wow. what is your favorite vehicle? Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. Um, that is a really good question, um, and I'm just trying to think of how to answer that one. I would say I am. I think classic sports cars are cool, but I think I'm more of a new age guy. Mm. And I did you ask Huberto for his Lambo? Uh, like, did you did you <laughs> talk to him about that? When he he off, I've talked advice. to him, yeah. yeah, about it for sure. That would yeah. be cool. I don't know if I'd be able to handle that or not. Okay. He'd probably get away from me if I right push the pedal a little too hard. I I am not really a car guy. I will take whatever's given to me. So uh, one of the things that I really like is when you go on a road um, in the summer, you go on a trip and you have to rent a car. I love getting whatever I can get. Anything that I haven't had before, cool, I love it. So. I think sports cars, my neighbor in Kelowna used to have a Shelby, an old Mustang, a red oh, one nice. that was awesome and it, she still has it and she would go to work in the morning, it would fire up in the morning, it was that, <laughs> bruh, 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 <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> it is a pretty cool car, I do have to say, but I am i don't know if I have a favorite, I'm an Audi guy, I guess, I do really like those. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Audi uh, if they're listening right now. <laughs> Hook your man right. <laughs> yeah. Huska, yeah. Up there too. Uh, more from Texty. let's do it. James in Crossfield. Mr. Huska, Hogan, or Macho Man? The Hogan or Macho Man? Uh, the Hulkster, for sure, no nice. doubt. I went to Spokane at a younger age, uh, me and my buddies, my dad drove us down and we watched wrestling at the time and it was, I actually saw Hulk Hogan fight Macho Man when, uh, mm. who, was, who was Macho Man's girl? Oh, Miss, Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth was there and, and that was at the time when Hogan stole her. You remember that? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was one of them. So I, I used to watch a lot of wrestling when I was a younger kid. I don't so much anymore, but I, I used to love Hulk Hogan. Just Now, were you a defender of wrestling? Like when people said it was fake, did you get upset about that? Or were you on the, it's fake train? Oh, I was totally fake train, but, okay. but I loved it. I, I loved it. And maybe I should say when I was younger, I didn't necessarily think it was fake. But, right. Um, I had an uncle that watched it religiously and believed that this was as real as it could be. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, we have some guys that, that I work with that are wrestling fans. Uh, Jason LaBarbera is one guy just, oh, yeah. just thinks it's the best. I think he has the WWE, um, package on his TV. Oh yeah. where I just shake my head at him still, but he loves it. <laughs> just loves it. So I would say Hulk Hogan. For have, okay. Have you met Bret Hart? Uh, I have not. No, I have not. On the list then. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll happen. Uh, I hope so. Later. Cool. All right. Uh, a couple more from Texty here. Wedley
1: in Bridalwood. Coach Huska. Who is the better 90s TV Kelly? Kelly Kapowski or Kelly
0: Bundy? Oh, Kelly Kapowski oh, or Kelly Bundy? That's I used a tough to one. I used to watch Saved by the Bell a lot, um, and Married with Children. That is a tough one. Yeah, I, hard <laughs> I, <laughs> hitting stuff here on the show today. Didn't see this one right. coming. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Okay. Let's it, go with thank that one. You. Like that's it. Like yeah. that was my I, absolute 90s like childhood crush. Like Kelly Kapowski. That's hilarious. You. That's a hilarious question. I used to come home from school and watch Saved by the Bell a lot. Yep. So were you a Slater hater or no? Uh, Zach or Slater? No, I like Slater. Yeah, yeah, was. More so than Zach, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. The acid-washed jeans that Slater wore, too, oh, were incredible. Yeah. Those black yeah. acid-washed jeans. <laughs> Maddie has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's the best. Say by the bell. Yeah. Absolutely incredible on 90's show. Uh, let's get more from Texty. Niels Faro, UConn.
1: As a new coach for a team that hasn't had a team captain for a couple of years, how important do you feel having a captain is, and how much say does the head coach have in choosing
0: a captain, or do you allow the players to come to you with their suggestions? Well, we went from Kelly Kapowski, Kelly Bundy, to yeah. a serious captain, no, 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 yeah. wordy too, and I think his name was Neil. If I heard right at the beginning, Neil's from the Yukon. Wow. There you go. That's uh, nice to have Neil listening. There yeah. you go. Um, Yes, it's it's important, um, and. I think, as I mentioned earlier, it's something that our management group and our coaches will get together and we'll talk about different people. Um, but it is important to have a guy in place and you know, you, you have your conversations with your players as to who they feel is, is, um, part of the leadership group because they're, they're forthcoming with it too. And, um, there's certain guys that they would most definitely back along the way. And that's important because they are the captains or captain will be the voice of the players. So um, it's something that we will come together as a group and, and make sure we get the right person in place. But it is something that is very important. We will have one this year. Some rapid fire questions for head coach uh, Ryan Huska. Favorite part about living in Calgary? The people. That's an easy one for me. The people here are off the charts good. Um, how do you get your steak done? Uh, medium rare, in between medium, medium rare. So I don't know what that's called. Um, there's a name for it, but I'm not sure what it's called. Uh, that's Maddie approved. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because if, if you would have said, well, I um, he, Matt, you would have had a problem with my yeah. name Matt or no, no, you can't do well. I mean, that's no problem. That's no um, I didn't think that was going to be an issue. Um, yeah. Did you ever wear Cooperalls? And if not, do you wish you did? Totally did in minor hockey. Oh, we, nice. We One had two. a year where we had Cooperalls. I think it was two years, actually. I think it might have been peewee hockey for us, and they were awesome. Did you slide more on the ice? Because oh, that's why God, you couldn't yeah. wear them in the league, right? When the ice was fresh and wet, yep. you would fly if you went down. You would just <laughs> take off for <pretty laughs> sure. But then it also, once it wasn't and it got cut up a little bit, it yeah. catch you pretty hard. Really? Oh, it was okay. flip okay. side. Yeah. Awesome. Huh. Um, Last good movie you watched? Uh, Top Gun. Okay. At the, the theater with my son. It the was new fantastic. one? Yeah, yeah. I thought when we first started watching it, this is going to be cheesy. The first yeah. bit until they went to the bar there, I'm like, this is going to be terrible. But then it was unreal. Yeah. I loved it. Like the part where they had the, the Kenny Loggins and the aircraft and the and how awesome was that right at the beginning? Awesome. Like Right away, giant smile on awesome. your face. Loved it. Um, do you leave voicemails? I do. Okay. All the time. Um, and rarely do people call back when okay. you leave a voicemail now. Okay. That's what but I wanted I, to ask you. I still feel like it's get, the way get, to go. Do you, leave, do you leave voicemails for your kids and they get mad at you? I do not. I, okay. I text my kids. All right. And I, like I like to call people. If they don't answer, I usually follow it up with a text because people don't respond to voicemail anymore. Do you text your kids if they're in the same house as you? Um, r- yes. I will say that. I hate to say that. It okay. doesn't happen often, but sometimes I do. Okay. Um, favorite pump up song or artist while driving to the rink? Uh, Motley Crue. Oh, nice. Um, and there's all sorts of Motley Crue songs for me. I'm an eighties hair band guy. Oh, I love I, it. I love that type Incredible. of music. So, uh, Motley Crue's on up there for me. Um, sticking to the golf theme, iron covers, yay or Nay. Nay. Okay, thank no. you. Hard like again, like actually, geez. I'm thinking about your clubs over there, and I didn't see any. So no. maybe <laughs> no. the same way. <laughs> no. uh, Ryan, I'd rather
1: be caught dead than have an eye covers <laughs> on
0: my golf clubs. Uh Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera? Britney Spears for sure. No, there was no hesitation. Yeah, from the head coach. No, yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal? Uh oof. Uh, uh, Steven Seagal. Okay, yeah, he had some throat chops and things that were yeah. ridiculously good. George like, those jackets with tassels, yeah. and the way he ran, he was just <laughs> his arms are all over the place. Yeah, you ran like a zombie. Oh, right? it was he awesome. Like yeah, yeah, you ran like a zombie. And finally, beer or wine, uh, both. Okay, I like it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> no, not at the same time. I love a good glass of red wine, and I, I do love a cold beer from and, and what, oh, especially from the Okanagan. Yeah, what type of beer do you like? Uh, all all types. Yeah. You are endearing yourself yeah, uh, to the uh, fan base. had a nice Mount Crushmore. Have you ever had one of those?
1: After like, my own heart. Career. Let's go. go. Local too. There you go. Full retrospective, full hour. Ryan Huska is the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. He's joined us a number of times since being named head coach. And, hey, training camp is starting in September, and we'll be hearing a lot more from Ryan Huska as the 24th head coach of the Calgary Flames. You can get Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, even in the middle of the summer when we're not doing Flames Talk. We're still doing Flames Talk. My name is Pat Steinberg. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Go hit subscribe. Would love to have you along for the ride and be notified as soon as Flames Talk is back regularly. We'll be back a little bit in August, and then, of course, after Labor Day, we're back for good. One more time, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a little special edition of Flames Talk wherever you get your podcasts, and right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
0: I feel like this six weeks or whatever it's been since the end of the year has been six years. And I feel like every day I've been like, okay, this, this. So whenever I get a chance to interview, I knew exactly what I was going to do and I, what I was prepared for. So, um, I would like to start tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) If we could get the guys back here tonight and get started. I know they wouldn't wanna do that, but um, there's a, there's an excitement now and there's a, gonna be a, a nice enthusiasm around our room because everything is fresh. And we, and we know that when there's different people involved, um, different ways of, of thinking and approaching players, whether that's me or the assistant coaches that are gonna be coming in, um, there's a newness and, and, and that's exciting. And I think that becomes infectious and, and that's why I'm so excited about this team